You know, I've known a lot of Vietnam vets uh, through my career and my personal life, and I, I'm, I'm, there, there's probably some out there, there has to be, that were not shot down. But I have to tell you, I've never, I don't recall ever meeting one. All of these, all these guys, even if they weren't injured, and there are a lot of them who are a Purple Heart recipients, but all of them were shot down at least once, twice, sometimes six to ten times. They were definitely the, the, the pointed end of the spear of the American military yeah. effort, and they, they took a disproportionate amount of uh, beating as a result. An excerpt from today's guest has written a new book about 10 Purple Heart Huey helicopter pilots from Vietnam. Author Colin Cahoon is here, and I'll speak to him right after this break. This is Point of Despair. Welcome back. I'm Robert Child. Today's guest is an author of historical nonfiction and historically based fiction, a patent attorney and a former Army helicopter pilot. He served with distinction as an Aero Scout platoon leader in the 307th Attack Helicopter Battalion of the 7th Infantry Division, where he accumulated over 1,000 hours of flight time in UH-1 and OH-58 helicopters. His current book is called Mended Wings, and Colin Cahoon joins us right now. Colin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. I was reading some of the reviews. Um, you're getting rave reviews on the book, and I, I just want to mention one now, then we can get into it. One was from Admiral Thomas B. Hayward, Chief of Naval Operations, and he said, when courage, guts, and loyalty merge, you'll find Army helicopter pilots fighting in Vietnam, committed to each other beyond measure. This is their story. Buckle up. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a great, great endorsement that he gave us uh, there. And it, it has been uh, well received. I'm I'm really pleased. Uh, you know, I, I wrote this book to honor the ten uh, pilots that are featured in the book, and so it's it really it, it's great that the book is doing well, and that and that uh, particularly the veterans are coming out and saying that that they really enjoy it and that it means a lot to them. Yeah, that's always you know fulfilling. Before we get into the book, on another interview, this book was a case of your writing what you know, and you were actually a helicopter pilot, a Huey helicopter pilot in the Army. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was a little bit of a journey. Um, I received an Army ROTC scholarship to go to college, and so I started college in 1979, and I thought I wanted to be, you know, like all of us of that generation, the next uh, George Patton, at least the one that was portrayed by George C. Scott. And I was fairly Mm. quickly disabused of that when I was at... um, a place called Air Assault School in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, in the summer of 1980, uh, and we were trudging through the woods on a, a march. We got picked up by some brand new Army Blackhawk helicopters, and the doors were open on the um, helicopters. And so, as we pulled up out of this steaming um, pickup zone, the breeze wafted through the window, and I caught the smell on the breeze of the. Uh, cologne of the pilot that was sitting in the front seat and it just kind of hit me like a bag of bricks that when he dropped us off in our landing zone we were going to march all the way back to our barracks and would be tired and sweaty you'd be late at night and this guy was going to fly home to the airfield get in his car go to the officers club and then he'd be in bed with his wife Uh, so I thought that's actually the job I want to do so I applied for flight school, managed to get in, 
And back in those days, um, all of the Army helicopter pilots learned in a small piston-powered aircraft in, during primary training, but then you transitioned into the Huey. So all of us were trained Huey pilots, and our instructors were mostly uh, civilian contractors, and they had all been pilot helicopter pilots in Vietnam. And that's, to be honest, where I first kind of got the idea for this book was way back then, was visiting with those guys, because we would walk out to the flight line, and there'd be a Huey sitting there, and they, all the Hueys had been brought back from the war zone. They all had little uh, bullet holes in them still, uh, you know, because they, when they repaired mm. them, they just put little square patches over the holes. So these were all combat birds, and you'd walk out there with some uh, instructor pilot, and he'd look at it, and he'd go, oh, I flew that uh, out of Da Nang or, you know, wherever. He'd been stationed. And um, mm. I remember that aircraft. And I thought, wow, these guys have got such great stories. Their, you know, their story just needs to be told. Uh, and then later on, I flew, um, I flew a OH-58 scout helicopters for an attack helicopter battalion. And then after that, I flew VIP Hueys and served in the Army for five years. Got out as a captain. But um, all of my senior instructor pilots, the senior officers above me, were all Vietnam vets. I admired them all greatly, and I just thought that they're, you know, that that generation had sort of been overlooked by history, and I wanted to do something about it. That was uh, one of my questions. I've interviewed a lot of, as you know, World War II veterans, and you've had so much contact with Vietnam veterans. Could you speak about what they're like? I mean, they had um, not the same reception when they got home as World War II soldiers, but... uh, can you speak on the vets that you met from and know from uh, Vietnam? Yeah, and I think, uh, Robert, that's an interesting contrast because I have gotten to know a lot of World War II veterans, you know, just through social settings and so forth. And um, they, they are a different cat. There's no different, there's no, uh, you know, there's no question about it. And I'm not a, a psychiatrist. I can't tell you why, but... It, it strikes me that the World War II generation, everybody recognized what a, a service they did for our country and what a great job they did. They knew it. They were they were proud of what they did. We were proud of what they did, and and they could they could bask in that. And they they rightfully did for their you know for their lives. And those that are still alive are still basking in that glory of World War II. And I think that's fantastic. Um, the the Vietnam War vets had a different experience, and as is detailed in my book, because I follow their lives from kind of start to finish, um, a lot of these guys were not respected or uh, admired when they came home. And in fact, uh, one of my vets, when he was walking to the airport in LAX, had someone walk up and spit on him after he'd returned Mm. from the war zone. Now, this is a guy who had seen his best friends die, had been injured himself, uh, and had experienced some really uh, pretty brutal things. Uh, and he thought he was doing it for the benefit of his country, and he comes home and his country rejects him. And right. I don't think that experience is unique to him. I think it uh, affected how Vietnam vets um, present themselves and how they uh, view themselves, and, and you know, it's only now that we're really starting 
to appreciate them. But I do think they're they're different than talking to the the World War II guys. They're much more introspective. I think they're a little more reserved. They're a little little more humble. I think that's because America humbled them when they came home. Um, but mm. they're all they were all really courageous, um, strong guys when they set out, and and they're survivors. They definitely are. And you interviewed ten of them or more for your book. Tell me about the process of the book because it was it was meticulous. Yeah. So how do you you know when I got the idea, I said, well, let's do a let's do a book about um, Vietnam vets that were injured in combat. How do you go about doing that? And um, I just there's a, an organization called Vietnam Helicopter Pilots Association that puts out a uh, publication every two months. And I just put an ad in there and said, look, I called it the Purple Heart Project at the time. I'm putting this book together. If you think you have a story to tell, would you go to my website? And uh, veterans did. And they, they there was a video of me explaining what the project was and had a number of them fill out a form. And then I had sort of a screening process and interviewed a number of those guys, eventually settled on 10 veterans, and their stories span uh, the entire Vietnam War. The first guy, Chapter 1, was injured in 1966, so the war's really taking off. And then the last guy was injured uh, towards the end of 1972, when the only people, the only Americans left in Vietnam were really pilots, uh, because all of the ground forces had, had gone home. So once I had these 10 guys identified, I set out to write a chapter on each one. And that required, first of all, um, interviews. And, you know, you talk about the different generational differences. The Vietnam era uh, generation, it's a phone generation. And so they're, they're actually yeah. more comfortable talking on the phone, I think, than anything else. And so I did between six and 12 hours of telephone interviews with each vet, and then I did uh, as much research as I could through other sources about um, their units, the the action they were in, uh, anything I could find out about them. There's an amazing amount of things you can find out online nowadays. You you can just about get anybody's high school annual, uh, which kind of helps get information. And uh, interviewed some of the family members for some of the chapters. Um, and friends, you know, if I could track down friends. And so it, every chapter took a, a lot of research. I wanted to get it as factually accurate as I could, and then I put it together, send it to the vet, and say, what do you think? How do we do? And, and we would take mm-hmm. it from there. So that, that was kind of the process. We'll be back to the conversation after this quick break. World War II was the most violent and destructive armed conflict in the history of mankind. Thousands of books, films, and memorials have been dedicated to the conflict. Yet one unwritten and unheralded chapter remains. The story of America's World War II glider pilots, spearheading nearly every Allied assault during the war. Oh, I have greatest respect and admiration for the guys who sat there in the pilot seat of those gliders. Because there was such a small group of us and and so many men under arms, it it made us feel that we were kind of special. Chip on the shoulder, don't fool with us, we're glider pilots. The largest armed conflict in human history demanded all an individual soldier could possibly muster, and the American glider pilots 
were among the bravest individual soldiers serving on the Allied lines. While many glider veterans will humbly tell you that they were simply doing their part, they will add that the G on their wings did not stand for glider. It stood for guts. Silent Wings, the American Glider Pilots of World War II, narrated by Hal Holbrook and available on Amazon Prime. Now back to my conversation with Colin Cahoon. So you, uh, you sent them a copy of, of the chapters before you sent it to your uh, publisher? Yes, uh, and the reason I did that is because I wanted to, I mean, they were technically, each one was technically under contract with me. And by the letter of the contract, once they gave me their story, it was mine. I could do whatever I wanted to with it. But I, I didn't think that, I wanted to make sure they were bought in on how I presented their lives. I didn't think it was fair for them to share those kind of details and then not have a say in, in it, whether we got it right and on occasion whether certain facts should be included or not included because some of this is very painful stuff for them. So I would send them right. a chapter and I'd say, you know, read it, digest it, share it with your wife, you know, call me back, let me know what you think. And some of these, for a lot of these guys, it, it was it was like ripping a scab off. And I wouldn't hear from them for four weeks, six weeks, sometimes two months. And then I'd finally get a call back, and they typically they would say, you know, Colin, you did a you did a great job. You absolutely nailed my story. And I'm sorry it took me a while to call you back, but um, you know, to to, to relive it uh, from start to finish in this way was just, it was very difficult. And it took me a while to, to be able to, to uh, give you my thoughts on it. Um, and then some of these guys, some of the guys, like I said, they, they shared very intimate details that they had never disclosed to anyone before, even their, their wives or children. And wow. so sometimes we'd have to have a, a discussion about that. You know, they'd, they'd say, look, I'm, do do we need to include this in the book? I'm very uncomfortable about about telling the world this, and um, I would try to you know work with him in that regard. And I'd point out that you went through this; it's very painful. But uh, you know, you're doing this not only for yourself, but you're doing this for your brother pilots uh, who went through the same thing, and nobody ever realizes um, what this was like. And so, a lot of times, they'd yeah. say, "Yeah, that's a reason to." That's a reason to tell it, and they and they'd leave it in, um, which I'm I'm very honored that they they trusted me to uh, to present that to the world for them. It, it sounds like, uh, you know, I'm going to read it, but it sounds like an emotional read, like a roller coaster almost. A lot of Vietnam War stories are, but it sounds like a real roller coaster to me, of emotions. The book. I think it is, and. You know, when I, Robert, when I set out to write this, for some reason, you know, I had no idea where, I, where it was going to take me, but I, I kind of had this idea that, well, it's 10 Purple Heart guys, they're all injured, you know, their stories are kind of going to be kind of the same, and that was sort of the biggest revelation, is just how radically different every single one of these chapters turned out, and some of these guys were, were just brutally, badly uh, mauled in combat, uh, you know, the... the paraplegic or you know brain damage you know those those kind of things and they and so you learn how that affected them um how they struggled with it 
when they got back, how they overcame it, and how ultimately um, they they believed they were victorious and and survived and won and and are ha- you know are happy and proud of their lives. Um, and some of the guys were were not hurt quite so bad, uh, mm. but it's almost it's almost the ones that weren't hurt as bad suffered the more psychological injuries. Um, it was. You know, I, I think it was seeing their friends killed and badly hurt, and then right. they had an injury that maybe they're in the hospital for three or four weeks, and then they're out, and they're they're just thinking, why why did I get off so easy? You know, why did why why didn't I suffer as 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 badly as as my friends did? Yeah, yeah. that survivor guilt. And uh, in the other interview yeah, I listened yeah. to, you, you quoted the casualty figures of pilots and they were higher than the inf- infantry is that correct or they were they were higher in number than you would yeah, expect as a, yeah as a, as a percentage of casualties helicopter um, pilot casualties were were really the only the, the only occupation in Vietnam that that probably came close to how dangerous a helicopter pilot's vocation was in that war zone were um, infantry lieutenants or Lieutenants who are who are leading um, patrols and and small you know platoon size elements into the bush, uh, mm-hmm. and that's because they were very high highly prized targets, and they always had a guy with a big long antenna you know with a radio standing next to him, so they're easy to spot. But um, you know I've known a lot of Vietnam vets uh, through my career and my personal life, and I, I'm I'm there. There's probably some out there, there has to be that were not shot down. But I have to tell you, I've never, I don't recall ever meeting one. All of these, all these guys, even if they weren't injured, and there are a lot of them who are, are Purple Heart recipients, but all of them were shot down at least once, twice, sometimes six to ten times uh, during just wow. a, a one-year <laughs> tour in Vietnam. Um, and it was an extremely dangerous vocation. You know, you, you see the... Um, the images of the Hueys uh, slowing down to go into a landing zone where they're pretty much um, just sitting ducks, you know, as they, they slow down and yeah. have to land and let the troops out or come back out. Uh, but also you, you look at the uh, the scout pilots who were, they were basically trackers and they were flying down so low that they could tell the difference between whether there was um, – muddy water in a footprint or clear water, which would tell them how long that track had been there and flying up to the mouths of these little spider holes and peeking in through their chin bubbles to see if they can see a pair of eyes popping back out. And hopefully there won't be a, a gun pointing out that's going to, you know, injure them. But um, they, they, um, they were definitely the, the, the pointed end of the spear of the American military yeah. effort, and they they took a disproportionate amount of uh, beating as a result. Well, it's uh, it's just a fascinating story to me, and I know this is your first nonfiction book. Are you gonna you, you have two other historical fiction books about stories surrounding World War One, but are you gonna stick with nonfiction? Um, I uh, that's that's a really that's a really good question, Robert. The first two books, uh, The Man with the Black Box and Charlie Calling, were historical fiction and were originally intended as a trilogy. And so there's a third book to be written in that regard, 
and I've, I've started writing that so I can finish that series. I stepped out of phase to do Mended Wings just because I felt like now was the time to do it. We've got to get these stories down while this generation is still around and, and can still be see themselves being honored in print and while they're still around to tell their stories. So to answer your question, the, the next book in Q is historical fiction. Uh, after that, I've got um, – this, this sounds absurd, but there's pro- I probably have – about a dozen to 15 uh, book proposals in the queue, uh, and fortunately I'll, I'll be around long enough to, to get to all of them that I, <laughs> I presently hope to write. But, uh, but it was nice to get the third one in the can. Yeah, you get up uh, some momentum, and uh, you, know, you uh, yeah. build up your repertoire and your name. And, uh, you know, it's, all a, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, that's for sure. The book is called Mended Wings by Colin Cahoon. Colin, thank you so much for joining us. This was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thank you for being here. Thank you, and appreciate, I appreciate you highlighting this book and uh, the, the men that, that served our country so valiantly. I appreciate it, Robert. You bet. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Next time, my guest will be Dr. Tony Brooks, author of Leave No Man Behind, the untold story of the ranger's unrelenting search for Marcus Luttrell, a Navy SEAL lone survivor in Afghanistan. Just less than 24 hours before we were on the helicopter, uh, we had just lost, we knew we lost a helicopter that was carrying 16 men. So we were expecting the worst and we were angry. You know, who, who dare attack us? That was our kind of our thought. And this time it was really close to home in the special operations community. We were pretty pissed off. We were ready to fight. That's next time. And you can stay up to date with all the upcoming guests. Just sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter at my website, robchild.net. I'm Robert Child, and this has been Point of the Spear. Music licensed from audioblocks.com. Point of the Spear is produced by RSC Media Group. I wanted to take a moment to thank our growing army of listener-supported members. You make it possible to continue our mission of bringing you the best military history authors, filmmakers, and movers and shakers. If you're not a member yet, it's easy to join. It just takes seconds. Scroll down to the bottom of this episode's description and click the support link. You'll come to our anchor page, click the support button, then complete the brief form. It's that easy. We're planning loyalty perks and giveaways to roll out over the coming months for our early supporters who sign on before the end of the year. So don't wait. Become a member today, and thank you for your support.